Now, please welcome our guest moderator, news editor of Empire Magazine, and part of the presenting team of BBC's Film 2012, Chris Hewitt. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming. Now, 13 may be unlucky for some, but for the greatest animation studio on the planet, Disney Pixar, it isn't. Their 13th film, Brave, may be about a curse, but it's not itself cursed. It's absolutely fantastic. But before we meet the director and the producer who brought it to us, let's have a look at the trailer. I saw something that day, something I'll not forget. It stands 12 feet tall with razor-sharp claws. His hide littered with the weapons of fallen warriors. His face scarred with one dead eye. I drew my sword and... Trump! Dad's leg was clean off. Oh, that's my favorite part. <laughs> In accordance with our laws, the firstborn of each of the great leaders must prove their worth. Stop! A lady enjoys elegant oh. pursuits. I present my only son. He took out a whole armada single-handedly. He was... With one arm, he was stealing the ship. Oh. I want my freedom. But are you willing to pay the price your freedom will cost? Careful what you wish for, my mother would say. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah! No more fighting! Show a little decorum! Feast your eyes! If you had the chance to change your fate, would you? Fantastic stuff. Please welcome to the stage the director of Brave, Mark Andrews. And the producer of Brave, Captain Serafian. That's me. Hello, sir. Gotcha. Nice. Hello, everybody. We're in the wrong spot. Yeah, right, it was told very clearly. Switch. I didn't see the seating chart. This is being very well run. I'm the director. Exactly to go. So I'm the director. I'm the decider. Right. Is this roughly an insight into what it was like working on this film? Yes. yes. No, I'm Every the director. Day. No, no, I'm the director. That's why it took so long to make it. Okay, how long did it take? Um, Trick question. About six, six years plus a year of additional development, so seven years all in. Okay, and as we saw, this is a bit of a departure for Pixar, as in it is... Well, set in Scotland, for one thing. So did that additional development mean a lot of trips to Scotland, essentially? A lot Absolutely. of trips to Scotland, yeah. We actually started, our first research trip was in August of 2006, and uh, we brought 12 artists for about 12 days of, of intensive research. We went way into the highlands with sketchbooks, paints, pastels, our cameras, and our, our notebooks, and uh, we spoke to the locals and listened to the rhythm of the language, and we drew and sketched and photographed. And then we went again in 2007 with production designers and uh, more artists and just kind of kept soaking it in and used all of that back in Emeryville, California. 
<laughs> but that sums up the Pixar ethos, doesn't it? Because you could have just stayed in California and just made this all up, but you yeah. actually went out there. Yeah, we could have just gotten on the internet today and looked around at a bunch of pictures and stuff like that. But <laughs> until you actually go to a place, then you get so much more information than you ever would have by reading or looking at pictures. I mean, I didn't know that, you know, the weather changes so much in Scotland, but you don't know how fast until you actually go there and how much variation there is in Scotland in the terrain until you go there. And that, if you want to get out of the rain, if you're walking up those highlands and the weather changes suddenly and the wind's mm. blowing, you lie down in the heather and there's no wind. Absolutely no wind. You're out of it, and you're going, that's how they survived, you know? Um, so we made a lot of discoveries and, and heard a lot of great stories, and you just get all these intimate details as a storyteller. I need, when you're back at Emeryville, um, looking at things to inspire you, to help tell the story, to kind of really illustrate what this character of the backdrop is, yeah. and it's and it's... They have to be tied in together. The backdrop, the world that you're making, and the story have to be uh, integral pieces. What's interesting as well is that uh, the cast is largely Scottish, the voice cast, and your composer, Patrick Doyle, yes. is Scottish. Scottish. Was, yeah. that, was that important to that sort of...? It was, it was a great layer of additional character, but it yeah. was not the uh, prime directive, as it were. I think we wanted... Um, we always go at Pixar for the right voice talent for the role and you know we're developing character and character can take you know many forms and it uh it's it's about the right voice the the feeling of the right spirit energy all of these things the accent and the scottishness is a great layer on top of it but it was not the first thing we went for yeah. we figured if we if we had the right let's say you know boisterous jolly king who had heart and warmth and humor to him as a father as well um then we would teach an accent if we had to get a yeah. dialect coach but billy Connolly actually embodied everything we wanted the warmth and the humor and the gravitas also of a king so uh, in in most cases we went scottish let's say, let's say that for people who we've, we've just seen the trailer but for people who don't know the broader story of brave what is brave wow what is brave it is a action adventure uh set in this uh mythical ancient land of scotland that stars merida our heroine a princess who is looking to mend a great rift uh in her family yeah, that's pretty much as much as you're about. <laughs> yeah. right. And, and where did that come from, the idea? Because, like you say, six years in development, right. one additional year. Mm -hmm. right. So where did, yeah. the, where did the first come from? Every, uh, yeah. every idea comes right from the hearts and souls of our filmmakers. We're this director-driven studio. The directors come up with the ideas. And uh, Mark Andrews and Brenda Chapman are the two directors of this movie. Yeah. Brenda had a very spirited relationship with her own six-year-old daughter many years ago. They were sort of butting heads. And, and uh, she was a feisty and opinionated lass <laughs> at age six. And Brenda thought, what kind of teenager will she be? And what will that relationship look like as, as we grow together? And that was where the core mother-daughter dynamic came from. And and, and really across the board, every Pixar film, if you scratch a bit underneath the surface, you'll find that it came from you know, a real director's human experience. Yeah. Finding Nemo is not a fish movie. It's about an overprotective father. That was Andrew Stanton at the time who yeah. directed it and his experience with his son. Absolutely. And it's also about a mother and daughter relationship, as you said. And mm -hmm. it, you know, Merida is very much, I, I guess, uh, the first real uh, female protagonist in, in a Pixar film. Uh, so did that bring any additional pressure with that? No, because we don't want to. We don't want to. You know, as storytellers, we don't want to be constrained by any kind of genre, right? Or or character rules. type or rules or whatnot. So I, we didn't want to sit there going, "What would a girl do? 
What would a princess do? What would a Scottish princess do? You know, because it just kind of hampers you in too much. We, we want to build a character from scratch, from the ground up. So who is this person, yeah. right? Uh, what are their flaws, you know, regardless of their gender, their race, their creed, or whatnot, you know? Um, they have to be independent. They have to be, this person is, is, is designed to be a contrast, that she's a teenager, she's on that, on that um, line between adolescence and adulthood. So she's already in this position of contrast in who she's going to be. Then we put her in the Middle Ages, you know, and there's lots of tradition in the Middle Ages, and she's not ready for those traditions, you know. This person wants to find out who they are themselves, you know, without having to be forced into a certain thing. So she has to be fiery and spirited, yeah. and she has to have, uh, they have to have their own focus and their own passions uh, and be, you know, inspirational. And once we get that up, at the end of the day, she's a female, you know? Yeah. And I have a daughter and three sons. I'm a dad. And, you know, I'm glad that we have this very strong female heroine, you know, that's inspirational, my daughter. But she's also empowering to my boys to see that any person can be like this, yeah. you know. And, and that was the important part, you know. Absolutely. And uh, development-wise, I mean, we can see Mary Delaire. The first thing that stands out is that huge shock of red curls. Yeah, she was originally was planned out to be bald. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was easy for the computer to do. Yeah, so did the animators... But it's not in the character. You don't get wild, free-spirited, Scottish, you know, country bumpkin with a bald head. Usually it doesn't read. Oh, that's true. But having seen the film, the, the hair yeah. has a mind of its own. So yes, yes. were the animators daunted by that? I, it, was, it was definitely a... a, a a huge challenge, a tall order. I mean, you know, at Pixar, uh, we, it's a, a large community of uh, scientific and artistic uh, overachievers. And so, you know, they look at something like this, the sketches and the development art that they saw coming out of the art department um, were called for this mass of, you know, uh, untamed wild red hair. And they sort of all got this look on their face. And then this. <laughs> and then they go to their computers and they're, you know, they start working on it. And, you know, uh, it took about two years to develop the technology to do this hair um, because modeling it and making it, you know, look good is one thing, but moving it is a completely different uh, scientific problem. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, getting it wet and then getting trees and, you know, tree leaves and branches in it. <laughs> and running then your fingers, running your through, fingers it, through it. And then they have putting like, it in hoods, we'll and you'll revealing see, it. You'll see a scene where she's, you know, Wind. revealing it. I'm like, oh, really? You know, so we definitely made it as uh, brushing it. They about had a conniption <laughs> When I said, right. "Yeah, let's brush it," so they don't—they don't—they um, don't walk away from a challenge. They embrace yeah. it, but they do stop for a second and really think. And then they—they they huddle in these rooms, and you know, just brains. But work, that's what you know? it's like. I mean, that's—that's that's why we're there. That's why I tell stories because it's a challenge to tell a story to to arrange all these ideas and concepts in one kind of through line that gets the audience takes them for a ride, you know, yeah. they have an experience and they're filled with all these emotions, right? And for the for our technical side, it's just a great coupling between art and technology because they're not in the business to do easy. Mm -hmm. They want that next challenge. If, if they can do it, how do we do it now better, you yeah. know? So we revamped our whole animation software platform for this movie to do everything that we can do just better because of the challenges that this movie required, you know, that the art called for. Yeah. 
Oh, fantastic. Uh, well, let's now meet uh, Merida and, and see her in action. We got a clip here. Uh, Catherine, do you want to set this one up? It's the one with the wisps. Uh, Elizabeth. Okay, so um, Merida, uh, she's, I don't want to ruin the movie for you. You're going to see it <laughs> she's soon. She's upset. But she's very upset. And she's had a bit of, a, of an altercation with a family a member. A row, I think we call it. A bit it. of a row with a family <laughs> member. And you know how you get after a, a fight with your parents, maybe. Or maybe not everyone. I'm sure none of you ever have any arguments with your family members. A Barney. That's a, another good expression. A Barney. A Barney. Um, yeah. You know, a, a ruckus. So, um, she is very upset and uh, goes riding her, her horse, Angus, into the woods, and uh, this is what happens. Okay, let's roll the clip. Thank you. Stuff. Now, that was a uh, Will of the Wisp. It was. That was a Will of the Wisp. Have you yeah. seen one? I've never seen one. Presumably. Oh, come on. Be careful. <laughs> they lead you to your treasure or, or doom. doom. Oh, God. Oh, what, what about yes. you guys on your research trips? Did you well, see anything? Well, it was bog gas, and I got trapped in a moor, <laughs> falling yeah. one, and I almost drowned. Yeah, we did not actually see any in our research, although we did do a lot of research on the, the phenomenon of the sort of the swamp bog gases and how they light up and disappear. Mm -hmm. uh, but we did want to ground the, the very... There's a very few magical elements in the movie. We wanted to ground those in something real. Uh, because everything in the in the in the movie, while while fantastical, is rooted in something, you know, and and so we wanted to give it that that authenticity. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go back to the uh, development process. Because how fully formed did this idea arrive? Because uh, as you said, there are magical elements. Were they always part of the story, or the the magical elements were always part of yeah. the story? I mean, you have this you have this head to head with a person who doesn't get you, and they don't get you, and you don't get them. And to Merida, it's just mom is in the way of what she wants to do, which is just to be left alone to, to find herself. So how do you get rid of mom? You know, well, you get some kind of magical element to get rid of her, you yeah. know? And I don't want to spoil for you, but it goes not the way Merida intended to. Terribly, terribly And wrong. she made a mistake, and she realizes that, and she spends the rest of the film trying to correct that mistake, you know? So, but that was always kind of part of the story. But... Saying that, you go, oh, well, they had it wired. Uh, 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 uh. That is like 5% of the process. Mm -hmm. How to deliver that information, how uh, to build this relationship, to have it go through its paces so that you understand not only intellectually but emotionally where things are going and how that information is laid out. That's a huge, huge uh, chore. And, and at Pixar, we have, a, we have a saying, story is hell. Yeah. And it is. It's the 666th layer of the abyss, if you believe in that kind of thing, which I do because I've been there. That's where I live. I got a nice little cabin <laughs> in hell out there. next to Satan. 
And um, <laughs> because uh, story's so hard because there's so many possibilities. You know, yeah. it's all potential at the beginning. You have a core that you're holding on to, but to make that core this, mm. there's so many ways to skin a cat and come at that issue and the problem. And, you know, is it a competition between the parents? Is she more like her dad or her mother? Is that even important? Whose story is it? Is it mom's story? Is it Meredith's story? Is it the magic story? Is it the element story? You know, so you have to choose which path you're going to take. And yeah. you could lose the force, you know, it, you, you lose your path in the, in, in the forest, you know, not see the forest through the trees and get stuck on this one thing. So you have to constantly shift from, you know, objective to totally just passionate about this little piece that you're honing to a fine point and be able to kill your babies and toss it out when it doesn't work, you know. So who are the, uh, the will-o'-the-wisps of Pixar then guiding you through the forest? Oh, uh, we that's it. We have none. No, there's there's <laughs> well, lots of people. It's I think it's a it's a difficult process telling these stories, but it's never a lonely process. That's I right. mean, I think you have every artist has his or her moments of just solitude and like, oh, will I ever see my way out of this? you know, abyss. Yeah. Um, but there's always that support structure there. Our executive producers, we have John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, and Pete Doctor. Um, and uh, every, every one of our executive producers and our directing and producing colleagues have sat where we've sat at a certain point. They've made these movies. They've had to direct and produce them. Uh, they know how hard it gets, and, and they're empathetic to our plight. So whenever we're sort of in that abyss, you know, they're a phone call away. You know, Mark can say, hey, you know, take a look at this, you guys. I want to try this thing. What do you think about it? You know, just call in John or Andrew or any number yeah. of them that he wants. Um, it, we, we do have a great support network. It's very I mean, collaborative. They're not just my bosses, mm -hmm. you know. They're also my audience, you know, yeah. because uh, that's a great thing about uh, having him there is, especially John Lasseter, he is an audience. All he wants to do is watch something and be moved and, and yeah. cry yeah. and laugh and be on the edge of his seat. And he's a really good kind of test bed for that or, or, or canary in the coal mine. When it's working, he's going, <laughs> or he's going. <laughs> so I know we're, we're, we're getting it right. Okay. But then again, he has a lot of experience just like Andrew does and Pete does so that when we run into issues, they're there offering suggestions. You know, they're not telling me what to do. They're go, hey, I hear you. I know you're at this. Try this. Or look, totally divorce yourself from this idea. You have to look at it from a totally different side. Shake it up. Just try something new because mm. this process is a malleable process. Yeah. It's not like I sculpted something in granite and went, David, you know, and, and they said, but we wanted the Madonna. Damn. <laughs> and you have to start again. You know, it's, it's totally malleable, which is what makes it a, a hell in and of itself. Meanwhile, we're also trying to invent marble. You know, so it's yes. like yes. the software process along with it. Like, uh. Yeah. Um, the second thing that's noticeable about Merida in that shot there is the, uh, the bow and arrow. Yep. Yes. And uh, that's, that's going to facet of that in this clip as well, Mark. If you want to set this one up, it's, uh, it's an archery clip. Ah, uh, yes. Well, well uh, not to give too much away because I think it speaks for itself. To, uh, again, everything is about storytelling. Her whole design is about her story. She is designed to be a contrast. If you look at her, her dark, uh, her dark clothes that are rough, her you know, snow white face, this bright red hair, you're able to pick her out in any environment. She just stands out. She's a contrast because her character herself is a contrast. She's also dynamic. She's athletic. So how do we show that? We give her a very dynamic and athletic weapon the bow and arrow, right, which is kind of, you know, primal and very iconic. It's been with us in humankind for a long time. It's one of our greatest inventions because it lets us affect things from afar. And to hit a bullseye, 
automatically tells the audience that she's very skilled, which meant a lot of time and practice. And I don't have to do anything but have her walk out, pull back that bow, and nail a target. And you go, she's good. And then that's enough. So let's look at the sequence. <laughs> Cheers. descendant of Glan Dumbrock, and I'll be shooting for my own hand. Ooh. What are you doing? Merida! Curse this dress! <laughs> Not bad at all. Not bad. You were saying that was incredibly hard, the bit where she takes her hood off. Oh. Yeah, that was incredibly hard when she takes her hood off. I mean, because the hair's not there, really, and then as soon as she, uh, suddenly it's there, and the way that <laughs> we had to fold it up, and the way that it had to fall out because it's reacting to that. There's just so much, so many dynamics just to make it feel right. It's insane. So yeah. we did it over and over and over and over and over again to get it to get it right. Uh, archery is quite big this year, so who, it's you, who knew? I know. Who knew amazing. back in 2004 when we said, <laughs> "Let's make a girl with red hair and it fires bows and arrows." I mean. Uh, uh, the woman who wrote, you know, Hunger Games hadn't even uh, had the idea for the book yet. Absolutely. You know? but, we didn't uh, know Avengers was going to land there either, you know. But Merida could, could beat Katniss and Hawkeye, couldn't oh, she? T t totally. She doesn't. She doesn't. <laughs> Hawkeye's got a bunch of, you know, he's got the massive quiver with computer-aided arrows and all that jazz. She's, Easy. She's a barbarian in comparison, <laughs> and she don't miss. I just want to talk about your your uh, history of Pixar, both of you, because you you started uh, as you said earlier on. Kind of, not not necessarily the bottom, but you have been there for a long, long time. You've worked. I was in the, the mailroom, Catherine. It was, it was clean toilets. It was the bottom. <laughs> uh, we started at the bottom. Um, uh, well, Mark, you had you had a career before Pixar that allowed you to come in at, at a bit of a higher level. I um, I started more at the coordinator level, sort of assisting uh -huh. and uh, doing all kinds of things. I. I Photographed employees for the employee photo wall, and okay. I, um, you know, I, I organized the company lunches where we're all going to eat together today, and I'd order catering and um, all kinds of things, um, and uh, I kept a lot of spreadsheets. But you know what? I had a, <laughs> a front row seat to um, the work being done on Toy Story because yeah. I would take notes in animation dailies, and if you want to learn how this stuff works, you listen to John Lasseter give animation notes on Toy Story. And I, okay. I, I took those notes and distributed them to the animators and opened shot fixes and handed them out and photocopied all these notes. It's like, wow, I, I, I learned a ton and, and just worked my way up from there. Wow. And uh, Mark, you were parachuted in at a higher level. Yes. Yeah, well. yeah. I, I had a, uh, a great relationship with Brad Bird. Yeah. He did uh, Incredibles and Ratatouille and... Um, um, I worked with him on Iron Giant, and I had worked for several animation studios um, uh, down in Los Angeles. And then uh, 
Brad called me when Pixar kind of wooed him to come up and do, do a feature there. Uh, it was one of the first calls that he made. said, come on up. I want you to be head of story on Incredibles. I'm all sure. And um, I was working on Spider-Man with Sam Raimi, the, the first one, um, with Sam Raimi at the time doing, doing boards for live action. So then moved my whole family up in 2000 and worked with Brad. And it's just been there ever since. That's we good. were the new blood. Yeah. yeah, we were the rot. The we injection. were the corrupt development. Right, I'm old. I'm old Pixar, and he's new Pixar. It's like, Ugh. oh, some more tension there. Yeah, yeah, very. Yeah. Yeah. It's we terrible. We were drugs. <laughs> terrible. We were. Yeah. Shot of shot of adrenaline. I, I can imagine. Uh, let's get some questions from you guys now. Uh, put your hands up. Uh, and there's a lady right here. We got some floating microphones that'll be going around the room. So if you just keep your hand up. Right, so keep your hand right there. Um, I was wondering before you guys started on Brave and the story and everything. Did you um, feel the imbalance of like having mostly male protagonists throughout like Pixar's history? I think we were aware of it. Um, it was not the reason for this story to be told at this time. You know, I actually, it from you know, since it took you know seven years to make it, the idea was pitched long ago. It takes so long to make the movies um, that uh, that it's you know just now coming out. Because some people ask, well, why why don't we have a female heroine out of Pixar sooner? I think we could have. We could have made Toy Story and then A Bug's Life, and then instead of going to Monsters Inc., we could have said we need one with a girl in it, and then we would have sort of made one, but that it wouldn't have been heartfelt, it wouldn't have been real, it wouldn't have been from a soul of, of a filmmaker, it would have been sort of manufactured, you know? So um, we wait until we have the right uh, idea at the right time. That said, you know, while we were not sitting there saying, we need a girl, we need a girl, we've got to, you know, put one in the hopper, we were waiting for the right one, we were aware that it hadn't happened, and I think we're glad to see that it has. Um, is it possible that in the future we'll consider more uh, female character-driven storylines? I mean, the thing at Pixar, it's story, 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 not what is required out there in the, in, in the world? You know, what stories, uh, I mean, do we do now one, because we did one in France and, and Scotland, do we have to do one in England? Do we have to do one in Germany? Do we have to do one in Japan? Do we have to do one in Mexico? You know, to, to appease whatever, tell something about mammoths or, you know, the big jungle cats. You know, it's not... We have not done the big you know, jungle cats yet. <laughs> or, or get into races, right? Or do one that's uh, religious creeds, you know what I mean? We don't want to operate from that level, you know, that's strategic. It's whatever comes out of the directors, right? So they, if it's their passion and they tell another one that has a, a, a woman, you know, as a lead, fine, or whoever or whatever, because these movies take so long to make, the director, they have to have that passion for there. It has to, you know, get out of them, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why it's this honest filmmaking that, that happens instead of something that's, you guys are going to know when it's, that kind of superficial and that kind of transparent. Okay, thank you. Sure. This movie's done incredibly well in the States. Oh, yeah. So have you thought about a sequel already? Have you started? We don't do that. I know you but don't. We don't Absolutely. do that. Again, that's a marketing thing. You know, if it makes a billion dollars, does that guarantee a sequel? You know, no, because the story has to be right. And I think that's one thing working at Pixar I can really respect about them is that it's story, story, story. You know, it's that story has to be the right story to tell and then and then we tell it you know or else it you know this is a business but it's also it comes from the artist's yeah. you know heart you know instead of just making you know you know a bunch of you know comedies 
because you just do that over and over and over again. Right? We, we have a lot of uh, films in our hopper right now. Yeah. Uh, Monsters University, which is a, a still sort of a prequel, comes out next summer. And then after that, we have original films in The Good Dinosaur and uh, Pete Doctor's next film that takes you inside the human mind. Uh, we're working on a Dia de las Muertas movie. So there's, there's quite a bit lined up in, in original storytelling. And, and, and those stories are all from the heart. If we had a great idea for another Brave, yeah. that would be a different story. Okay, no worries. Uh, was this lady here in the front row? Hi. Um, what's your favorite supporting character in this film? Catherine is my favorite supporting character. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> in the film. She supported me through this film like nobody's business. Thank uh, you. Boy, that's an interesting uh, question. Uh, I don't. My favorite supporting character. Well, what's your favorite I, supporting I, character? I, I, can I tell you who yours is? Tell me who's mine is. Mark's favorite supporting character. I like to say Mark is most like King Fergus, and I, you didn't see him much in the footage, but uh, Billy Connolly voices our wild Highland warrior king, and uh, I think he and Mark were separated at birth. You know, they're both <laughs> family men. Uh, king Fergus and Mark are both fathers of a daughter and three sons, just as you know, again, separated at birth. That's right. Um, they both think they're very funny. That's right, lass. They both do a great Scottish accent. That's right. Exactly. So. <laughs> That's it's all no, I know. No brainer, King Fergus. And uh, you're a favorite supporting character. Um, I uh, I really uh, identify with Queen Eleanor, um, yeah. voiced by Emma Thompson. She is the consummate working mother. She's a queen holding the kingdom together, and you know, trying to rein in the likes of King Fergus. <laughs> um, but just uh, trying to balance it all, and you know, also to be a good mother and the, the struggles of that, being a good parent while trying to hold a lot of stuff together. Yeah. It's a struggle. You make mistakes sometimes, and she's she's real and she's flawed, and and yet she's loving and, and funny too. And I think she's great. Fantastic. Uh, okay, there's this gentleman here. Thank you for coming today. Sure. Uh, thanks, thanks for, for having us. Um, I just want to ask a question um, based on how you talked about you went to Scotland. Yeah. And um, uh, you said that that didn't really change the story, that story comes first. And, yeah. Uh, um, but was there any instances where actually working with maybe local, uh, more the local talent and um, living amongst the local, kind of the, getting a feel for yeah. maybe a, a culture yeah. outside of America, did that uh, help in any way? Did that affect or kind of was, did you find it beneficial to the project? Sure. And if that's the case, then this kind of, this second part is more of a hope than anything. Um, is there any scope for maybe uh, benefiting of the talent pool from Europe by maybe moving Pixar uh, activity more into London, uh, into the UK. Um, and if, if you we don't would love to move to no, London no, 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 and no, have no. offices here in the London, rent is too high. And France, we cannot afford this. And, you can look and my house Italy and Hawaii. Yeah. We'd love to have Pixar in Hawaii. Big Maui and, office. Um, no, uh, to your first question. Um, the core of the movie never changed, even after going to Scotland. The, uh, because we weren't fully baked when we went. You know, we didn't have the beginning, middle, and end, you know, and all the details in between. After we went to Scotland, that just gave us way, 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 way more material. We could have done, I mean, the, the amount of stuff that we actually used from our research trip in Scotland is about 10% in there. We have enough material to use until you know, 50, 30 more stories. You know, there's so much information that we gathered. Um, and, yeah, talent pool, you know, I don't, we get everybody from all over. We don't need to leave Emeryville. Yeah, we have, a, we have a quite an international crew on this movie. We have, a, uh, in fact, our, our supervisor of uh, the set department, sets and set dressing. He's a Brit? He's right here in London right now. He, oh. he's, he's from here, and he moved back. Yeah. We got French, German, yeah, Italians, Canadians, yes. Scots, 
Chinese, Japanese, everybody. A lot of Spaniards, at Pixar. many Spaniards. So come on over. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's an invitation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fill out your resume. All, yeah. Go online. Oh, it's looking hard as all. Here. I thought we all know work for Pixar. I thought this, yeah. this was an indoctrination. Yeah, oh, yeah well. here we go. Yeah, this is orientation. Oh, um, I think we have time for one there last question. There you go. She just handed it to you. you um, I'm wondering with, uh, you know, you've been working on this for seven years, and with such a long lead time, um, how does the development of the digital technology really affect how you're telling the story and what you're doing? Because maybe some things that were initially not possible become possible during those seven years just in, because of the advances of computing and, how, and rendering and all that. Right. And how you kind of work that into the process and the approach of developing the film. Necessity is the mother of invention. So if we sat around and waited for the technology to be around, we'd still be waiting. So squeaky wheel gets the grease. So we go, we need freaking curly hair. We need a forest. Get on it. And they got on it, right? We don't have the processing power. We need to revamp the whole animation software system. Let's rebuild it from scratch. That's exactly what, what, what happened. I mean, we had those materials. We could have made this movie, but it wouldn't look the same. So everybody kind of dove in and cranked up the pace of development, you know? Um, so that's that's kind of what what happened. Yeah, there's a, a couple of levels where this is happening. On, you know, on one level, you're needing to invent the technology to make the movie, and then you're needing to improve upon existing technology to make it changeable. Because our whole job is change management. Everything we do, it's like it's an evolving process. The movie we start with, the, the, the script or treatment we start with at the beginning is is the beginning of a long creative odyssey. It's not like, hey, here's our script done. You know, that it takes years to hone this story and all the various needs. And you know, late in the day, late breaking, you know, Mark was saying, and we need wolves. Like, oh, geez, wolves. <laughs> That's quadruped technology with fur, with muscles. Uh, you know, right. and I want to smoke the set. I want smoke mist or smoke oh, or atmosphere in every damn yeah. shot because it's freaking Scotland <laughs> and it's the Middle Ages and those fires are burning at all different and then I walk out of the room and then everybody's <laughs> all oh, you know but he but, wants what that means volumetric particle blah 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 math it's a lot more math in the math. shot what does that mean for rendering time <laughs> so oh my god we're you know, more servers we're building we're building off this technology um, to to serve the whatever the, the story is serving up as a challenge we're trying to meet it by inventing technology but we're also trying to make everything faster so that te technology that exists can be changed because oh Mark just threw out a scene and added another one you know, it, that can't be the deal breaker of getting the movie done on time. We need to be able to render fast yeah. enough, light fast enough, change things. Um, but uh, the other, I think the other thing is that we had, whenever there is a story kind of huddle or like we call a slowdown, whenever we're lagging creatively because we need to like sit back and like get back into, oh, you know, this point, this scene's not working, let's work on it. Those creative delays can be very beneficial to technology because good, I'm, I'm actually glad we're in story trouble right now because um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can only move her hair yeah. to the right, you know, and we need to be able to move it all around her head so um, now we've got bounce and yes, body and, bounce and body and, and we added extra <laughs> frizz during a little creative downtime yeah. we were able to get her hair frizzier in a good way so you know we were able to try to leverage the slow times creatively and use yeah. them technologically and vice versa that's all the time we have i'm afraid uh thanks for coming out thanks for your question and thanks a lot to mark and catherine thank you thank, thank you, you thanks for coming you.